What up, my friend? Coach Polly Barr here from Coach's Corner. I want to thank you for joining me for conversation nuggets and tips that'll set you free. If this content is bringing you any value today, I want you to do me a huge favor, my friend, and drop me a review down below here on Apple Podcasts. And if you have any questions or comments, you can email me at identityofonecoaching at gmail.com. With that being said, it's time to dive in so that you can be set free. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to another episode here on Coach's Corner Podcast. I am Polly Barra, lead pastor of Set Free Life Ministry. We are here in the lab with my man, Steve Cloward. Um, I had the privilege of meeting this guy through Clubhouse and then we connected and I went on his podcast. And so now he's coming on mine. And I'm telling you guys, you want to share this out because this message is going to totally blow your mind. You can follow him here um, right down below Life After Addiction and IndictmentPodcast.com. Or you can follow him on Facebook as well at Facebook.com forward slash Steve Cloward and the number one. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to allow him to share his testimony about how, you know, obviously just through the through the title and his logo, Life After Addiction and Indictment. Um, there's not much more to say, but he's got a load of stuff to say to help you to be set free from your mind. So without further ado, Steve, do us a huge favor, my man, and let us know where you hail from what you're about, and dive right into this conversation, my man. Hey, well, I appreciate you having me on, Paul. I'm excited to be here, and and uh, I'm out here in Utah. We got some snow today. I shoveled my walk, about four inches of snow. Uh, been here most of my life, but I actually was born in California, out in Victorville on the Air Force Base that I believe is no longer there. Gotcha. Um, but uh, grew up in Provo, Utah. I'm just north in uh, Linden, which is just south of Salt Lake City, 30 miles or so, and uh, that's where I've been. Awesome, man. So let's talk about the whole the whole concept of where life after after addiction and indictment began. How did that story begin? Well, I'll, I'll try to keep it short, but at the same time, give you enough. <laughs> so if I get if I end up going too long, you just you just ran me back in, Paul. Keep it going. Um, you know, I I grew up in Utah. A lot of you know, there's a lot of Mormons out here. I grew up in a Mormon, you know, raised Mormon. And I so I went on a Mormon mission to South Carolina. Frankly, I didn't want to go, but I figured I was going to go, so let's just go get it over with. Well, three and a half months in, I just, I, for two two months, I just kept having these terrible gut aches, mm. like really painful. And so at the three and a half month mark, I was just getting to the point where I'd already decided I needed to go home. I didn't know why. Uh, my parents were so orthodox that, you know, that's not, you know, acceptable because you're out doing the Lord's work. So why would there you be, you know there be problems right. and so my dad finally said well I'll leave it up to you and i already felt like it was the right thing to do i'm a pretty prideful dude and i wasn't going to quit you know right uh, whether i wanted to be there or not i wasn't just going to quit and go home um anyway so i ended up my dad ended up flying out which typically doesn't happen but when he saw me after sending me letters of you'll know what it's like to you know, to pay for this and do this and basically be on your own in a sense, because you're going to, you know, humiliate and make the family look bad with the message. And I'm not bashing my dad. This He was doing the best he could and what, what he right. knew. Right. And But when he got off the plane and saw me, I had lost, I, went, I, I was a whopping at 19 years old, a whopping 157. When he came out as a 124 and I was kind of grayish, 
uh, a kind of jaundicey looking, honestly. Um, right. I'd been a doctor out there. They didn't see anything wrong with me. Well, two nights after I, so we fly home two nights after I'm home, this pain just was killing me when I was eating dinner, lost my appetite, couldn't eat anything else. My mom took me over to her cousin who was a physician, tested me for appendicitis and oh yeah, get him to the ER. They opened me up and found that 16 inches of my small bowel was ulcerated and perforated. Mm. And they, so they resected it. And that's when I started taking pain pills. Um, and I've kind of always felt like I'm a flat line kind of personality, if you will, not really high, not ever really low, but I used to think I'd be in a movie theater, some funny movie and everyone would be cracking up. And I'd be the guy thinking to myself, well, that's funny, but not that funny, you know, right. <laughs> right. so what happened is I took opiates. The effect they had on me wasn't a downer. It wasn't drowsy. It was the opposite. And so I was a little more outgoing. I was a little more confident, you know, and that's how it all started. Um, and it lasted for 14 years. You know, I say I was dancing with the devil and wow. that's truly what it felt like. I mean, it's hard to talk about because, you know, I used to drive to work crying some days, you know, cause mm -hmm. I didn't know I was very functioning addict. Um, right. but there's a lot of wreckage that happens even when you're functioning and you're hurting, you not only yourself, but those closest to you, the ones you love the most and, and you manipulate and just do a lot of crazy things. Right. Um, and, you know, there was a couple of times that, you know, I was scared straight, so to speak. I was going to meet a buddy at a golf course to hit some balls. And I had taken a bunch of different stuff that day. Um, and as I came down, it's called 8th North here in, in Orem, Utah, and hit the Provo Canyon to head up University Avenue. I literally had the weirdest experience. I really can't even articulate it other than saying I went numb from about my neck down and wow. felt like. I could like, I visualized my car and my body. Like it scared the shit out of me. So I'm a wreck <laughs> driving right. there. You know, the parking lot is right by the driving range. So I pull right up and I'm a wreck. And my buddy comes over and we ended up driving to my gastroenterologist house. Cause I knew him really well. And, and uh, long story short, here I am now. My brain is saying that enough, right? I'm scared straight for like the better word, way to put it. Right. And, he's got a party going on. So he calls an intern, as friend of his and that guy, and, and this was pre oxycontin. At least I didn't know of it. It was so new. Um, this would have been around 97. Mm. And anyways, that internist couldn't see me for a few days. So he told my gastro to write me a script for eight oxycontin. And I could schedule when he's back in the office in like three days. Wow. So then the brain you know, says, I've got Crohn's disease, you know, I've got problems, I need this stuff, and continued for three more years before I finally had enough, you know. Wow. So that's kind of how that happened. So so in total, how many years was that from the opiates and now to the oxys? Uh, the opiates was 11 and then three years, you know, with basically the oxys. So you know, 14, 14. 14 total. So yeah. you were saying earlier something about being functional, but still kind of like carrying this 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 weight with you. You follow what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. I know for me, you know, when I I mean, I was addicted for, let's say, she's 94 to 2000. So it was about six or seven years. And not was as long as well. 
but it was it was just straight methamphetamines i mean it was i wasn't even smoking weed no more i wasn't doing any of that and so as you were going through that and and constantly taking the opiates and then now the oxys was was there any any point through that that you were fed up or got to a point where you're like man oh yeah this ain't where i'm supposed to be yeah certainly there was several times um and there was even times where i had you know my employees i had a real estate appraisal firm and, and a real tight group and and one kid that worked for me, his brother had addiction problems. So I, you know, I was always open anyway, for the most part. Um, you know, and there's times I'd give my pills to him to try to, you know, ration or to slowly try to taper. And <laughs> you know, right. it's just not reality. It's all or nothing when it's time to clean up. You know, right? Um, because you can always find a reason that you need more, and that's what I would do to him. I, you know, become a very good manipulator, and and uh, but back then. You know, now here we are in 2021 with the opiate crisis. It's all been nationalized. You know, back then, I didn't know how to get out. I didn't know about AA. I didn't know about any of that stuff for so long. And that's why I think there was times that, like I said, I'd drive to work and I'd just be in tears because I didn't know how to stop. And obviously, I could have reached out at least talk to people to maybe, you know, because more you talk to people. They might know someone that knows something, you know, right. and and so, you know, I, I also believe that it happens the way it's supposed to, and and you know, there was a journey and things obviously that took place, and I mean, I'm lucky to be married. I've been married 30 years. My wife, you know, wow. I I had my second child when I was in my full blown when I was, you know, I started using them a little bit. You know, I was abusing them, not by not daily, daily. Right. Um, until after I got married and then I was starting to use them daily. We had our second kid when we were separated, separated. I left her three times, you know, in 18 months, had I had a good attorney, I always thank him when I see him because <laughs> he's just really unorganized. I should have been divorced, you know, wow. and there was a really crazy situation, you know, for those that believe in God, a higher power, you know, energy, whatever. I was sitting at a home, our first home we had built. She was living with her parents with my two boys. Right. And here I am humiliated, but I had decided and was getting sober. Literally, it was 29 days after. If you've seen the movie 28 Days or heard it, that dog freaking does lift. Yes. 100% at 28 days. Right. And I'm sitting in this home. I've had the flu for a couple days. She's worked at my physician as a kid's office since we were married, but I didn't want to call in. Because I was too embarrassed because all her co-workers know me. The docs know me since I was probably seven. And <clears throat> it was a Sunday night, finally. And I thought, what am I doing? I'm now, the fog's gone. And I'm crapping my pants going, I've been choosing pills over my wife. Wow. And this is in 1997. And how many people had cell phones in 97? Not a whole lot. And they were mainly brick phones if you had them or in a you know a bag. Well, <clears throat> she had a Ford Explorer that we had mounted a phone in her car. Wow. So Sunday night, she's living at her parents, and there's two little boys she's taking care of, uh, two and three or four months old. And I thought, shit, I gotta call her, but I don't want to call her parents' number because I'm gonna feel stupid. Can't right. do the texting thing to kind of go in on the sly. So I called that phone in that car. On a Sunday night at 7 p.m. What are the chances of her being in it? Not very good. Wow. 
from her parents' house to the grocery store where she was going to get bread and milk for her dad is literally about a mile and a half max. So she's in the car that long and then that long going home, and she answered. And wow. uh, I didn't even know what I was going to say, man. I didn't know why I was calling other than I was screwed up. She didn't know through all this. She really didn't know about the addiction. Wow. You know, she knew there were times that I you know, took more than I should, but she didn't know it became a regular thing and pretty much consumed my, you know, my life. Um, but anyway, I tell you that only because we never know, you know, what the plan is for us. I mean, like I say, 30 years, we shouldn't be together. I mean, we are for obvious there's reasons for it. You know, yeah. we have three other children and, and I have a great family and great kids and, and obviously amazing wife. Cause that's only half of the title of my right. podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> it was incredible. You know, she was nervous about, is he for real? Uh, her parents are going to want to kill her when she says she's considering going, I mean, here, and she's very, you know, grew up in a very Orthodox Mormon home too. And I had been dating a gal and it had drug on so long that she was even dating a guy and they were supposed to going to go to like Lake Powell in a couple of weeks. And so she ended up coming over that night. And, and the main reason I called was number one, I'm going, holy crap, the fog's gone and I'm crapping my pants about the choices I've been making. Right. But also, I was sick, and back in those days, she could just go get a a uh, antibiotic shot, you know, bring home. And so, I told her kind of what had been going on, and asked her if she'd do it, and she did come over, which was amazing as well. And uh, a few few days later, she moved back home. You know. Wow. So you know, I mean, for me, I believe in God. I believe in. I do too. And everything that that God works out, the Bible says that he works everything out for the good of those who 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 love him and that are called to his purpose. And so it's amazing, bro. Like, I wish your wife was on the podcast because I would I've, I mean, people would love to hear that side of the dude, story. I know. And I took so bad, tried to get her to maybe working with you. We can make that happen. She's I'm a very open book and she's a hunt. She's just private, man. you know. But, but you know what, what she has so much because of what we've been through that would yeah. provide so much value to people on the opposite yes. side. Yes. And so I dude, I got chills just talking about it because I know the value that's there. Absolutely. I mean, you just know? just watching you be vulnerable and being transparent and and having just that little breakdown. I mean, oh, that's yeah. real, bro. That's that's why I love doing what I do. You know, there's so many religious people out there. Oh my God, you know, you're talking about this and that. It's like, listen, man, these are real conversations with real people. They want real results from Amen. a real Jesus, Amen. period. And so in these conversations, man, this is where yokes are being broke. This is where curses are being broke. This is where the rubber meets the road. Bingo. This is this is exactly, if Jesus was alive right now in, in the human flesh, he yeah. would have a podcast with the craziest people in the world. I agree. Right? I totally agree. <laughs> and so I'm just amazed that so so you were with her since you started. Oh yeah. It, yeah, it's weird and wow. it's something that's pretty intense. Um I don't talk about often. Um, but when I went to prison, obviously, you know, I was totally clear-minded and had been for years, but uh, for nine years. Um, but I was able to really figure out the trigger and 
and I kind of knew a little bit, but um, me and my wife knew each other since seventh grade. We were really just friends. She was actually double dating with me and my girlfriends. And then I was engaged to a gal <clears throat> two different times. And so, so I kind of married on the rebound, if I'm being totally honest. I mean, obviously I cared about my wife, um, right. but dude, it's for a couple of years. I didn't know if that girl showed up what I'd do. Wow. Can I look at the pain? This shit I put my wife through when I was using, because then obviously the brain chemistry is different. Uh, had I been sober, I wouldn't have done a few of the things I did. I mean, you do a lot of stupid things, obviously, but, you know, she already felt kind of second, I think. She's never said that, but I think it's pretty obvious because she knew my relationship with this other gal, you know. Um, right. She teases, she used to tease me, well, yeah, you'd always call me and, come, you know, whine to me after <laughs> Tammy was being stupid or something, you know. And uh, But wow. it's really crazy because... I knew I loved her, um, but it wasn't until prison. Wow. Which was, um, that was 2007. So we'd been married 17 years, dude, before I really realized the depth of how much I cared about her. And it wasn't because, you know, I was in prison alone or whatever, you Come know. Uh, dude, it just, you know, well, first of all, if you look at it, how could I know? And I think probably two of the triggers for my abuse were the relationships, the two of them, you know, cause I was hurting and I was masking that. And, and, and so when I'm in prison and all you've got is a lot of time to look at the man in the mirror and look inside of that person, shit gets real, real fast. Come on, bro. You know, man, real fast, man. I, I just, I have to applaud you for being vulnerable, man. Um, well, I know it's the this. only way I know how to do it. Hey brother. <laughs> I mean, this, this is, this is all part of the healing. This is why, oh, absolutely. This is what coaches corner podcast is all about. It's about coaches coming together or someone coming in and still being coached at yeah. the same time because there's healing, bro. Oh, I mean, there is time. healing. And for whatever reason, comments aren't showing up here, but I've got comments here on my phone my cousin, people don't they have to they have to accept it at least it used to be that way with stream i don't know how it is yeah now. but but i got my cousin out there saying he's set free we got timothy stewart <laughs> saying congratulations steve i mean these oh, are thank these, you fellas these are real stories man because here's here's where i get fed up is is with all the christianese oh yeah everyone got christianese yeah but when when the plate gets hot when the shift hits the fan Let's just be honest, right? Yeah. When all of that stuff happens, that's when that's when your Christianity gets real. That's when the power of God begins to work slowly but impactful in your life. And so this 30 years, man, 30 years of being married to this woman, but it took the 17, right? To in a horrible able, situation. <laughs> yeah, in a horrible situation to be somewhere. Listen, bro, I know somewhat of what you're talking about because when i married my wife in 2011 i wow. went to the oil field in 2015 and there was three months out of our marriage that i only seen my wife and my son two times oh man and that's where 
prior to that, I used to teach the 12 step program, but I never went through the 12 step program. Okay. I went through my own three month. Yep. Right. 12 steps. Internal inspection. Amen. Going through the fire, literally out in the oil field in West Texas in the wilderness. And God was showing me so many things. And here's what he spoke to me. I had to take you somewhere <laughs> to show you something because I was so caught up, bro, in my business. I was so caught up <laughs> in myself. I was so caught up in my ministry. I was so caught up in, in all of the things that I thought was my identity. Stop talking about me, brother. <laughs> right? I mean, this is, this is, this is identity crisis. Amen. But when, but when God begins to strip us, when God begins to, to mold us, the Bible says that he is the potter. We are the yeah, clay. That's right. And sometimes we want to shake our fist saying, Lord, I need to be created this way. And he's saying, listen, you can say what you want. I'm just going to shake. I can warp you. I can mold you. I can break you. I can let you dry, <laughs> right. but I'm not going to do that because yeah. I'm God almighty. And I have all the plans, Jeremiah 29, 11, which that's the scripture that me and my wife stand on every single day, because that's what we got married to. Yeah. I know the plans yeah. that I have for you, says the Lord, plans of good and not of evil plans to prosper you with a future. And so we stand on that scripture every single day year. That's awesome. Because that was our wedding scripture. And so when I hear this story right here, I'm like, why God, why do you send me <laughs> similar people? Yeah. Isn't like, that crazy? Like, seriously, why does God send me similar people? Because I believe this, God is raising up an army of some degenerates, of some hardheads, of some crazy, of the remnant, of all the people that church wants to throw out, all the people that the world wants to throw out, all the people that are scattered because they don't fit the mold. Yep. We ain't supposed to fit the mold. We're supposed okay. to stand out, baby. And so in these stories, man, just the name of your, and this is why I reached out to you a few weeks ago was Life After Addiction and Indictment Podcast. <laughs> I've got to meet this dude because that's power. I mean, you've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to learn something. And now we're going to get into that. Where did it go from addiction and indictment to sitting in jail, in prison, looking like a carrot, Right. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> I actually, they, I wore a khaki greenish color was a uniform, but it's funny you say that I, I ordered a shirt that's over there and also an orange jumpsuit just for some photo stuff for some of the social stuff we're doing. Right. But, but anyway, yeah. So, dude, I, yeah, I was sitting there, like you say, and and uh, two things I want to go back really quick on, you know, you you may have sensed it um, and I need to stop being apologetic about it. I'm I am not a real religious dude, but I'm a very spiritual dude. Right. Um, and <clears throat> you know, because of what you do and your faith and stuff, I had taken that for granted, you know, the Mormonism and all that. There's a lot of great things about it. No doubt about it. Um, right. but when I was going through the prosecution phase and dealing with an attorney prior to indictment, I planned on fighting it. And, 
I spent two weeks putting together a big file because it's, I always say it's kind of jokingly, but it's true. There's a lot, several things I did in my addiction that would have put me in jail or prison without a doubt. This right. appraisal mortgage fraud thing. That was not a conspiracy, but it doesn't matter. I also say that was a blessing because like you in the oil fields, I needed to be extracted from my life because I was six corporations. It was all about money and stuff. And, you know, like you said, the big house, that's what was identifying me, I thought, right? right. Um, but so I meet with my attorney on a Friday. Trial supposed to start in about, I think, just under three weeks. So I had spent two weeks putting together a big old folder with all these crop references. I was on a family trip with my parents, my siblings, all the grandkids, and I stayed in the condo working on that. I meet with him on this Friday, and he tells me, we need to sit down and write your police statement. And I was like, what are you talking about? I said, I've got all this stuff. You know, this is like 16 months into supposedly getting represented and about 130K. He hadn't done a damn thing. And I said, only Joe, first of all, you're going to spend all weekend and go through this stuff. And then we can talk Monday. That Sunday, I got a call at 9 a.m. And he said, we're meeting with the feds downtown Salt Lake City office, 6 p.m. Sunday night. And dude, I'd taken my relationship with Christ for granted most of my life. And here is a pivotal time in my life that I'm being asked to go say I'm guilty of something I knew I didn't do. And I didn't know what to do. So I drove to my parents. I told them what was up. And I said, I can't do this unless I know before I show up that that's the best option under the circumstances. Right. And we prayed, dude, and I've never prayed like that in my life because I, dude, I had to know before I left that house. And when we were done, I mean, it was one of those prayers that I was just pleading and bore my soul. I mean, I've got snot running out of my nose. I mean, you know what I mean? It was just yes, intense. But as soon as I stood up, dude, all this peace came over me and I just, and that was a tough pill to swallow, but I, I always had faith in Christ that, that's the path that I got to go down. I don't know why it's unfair and all that BS, but I just let that go. Um, and then I get into prison and then we'll move past this. And I'm three weeks in, I'm depressed all hell. Um, don't realize that my wife is the one that's really in prison. Uh, she, you know, I left all sorts of crap hanging out, all sorts of financial stuff. I closed on a huge real estate deal two you know, a year earlier. Anyway, things were a mess and, right. and, I call home and it's three weeks in and I'm like, do you even care about me or our relationship? And dude, she said, <laughs> I don't have time to worry about that. And that just ripped my heart out. So I walked down to the housing unit, never was locked up in a cell or anything. It was camp and, and I just didn't call it a cube, you know, it's not even a door on it. And uh, once again, man, I just had one of those come to Jesus situations. Because I I knew at this point, you know, those first few weeks that I had taken her for granted and that, you know, first 17 years, I haven't even given a chance. And we just kind of were coexisting. And and uh, so I just asked the Lord. I just had to, to know everything's going to be okay. Right. Otherwise, the next year and a half is going to be rough, you know. Um, right. Anyway, the same situation, man. It's like I just had this thought everything's fine. And it just, it was like, whew, everything just left, you know? Wow. And, uh, 
So, yeah, I have <laughs> a lot of faith in the Savior. That's for sure, brother. Amen. Man, thank you for sharing that, bro. So for 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 the listener that's out there, because um, me and you had our, you know, the, the podcast that I was on with uh, your podcast, you know, we're talking about mindset. Help somebody out there right now. How did how did changing your mindset change your whole perspective? And where are you at now? Well, that's a great question because that's, uh, you know, I've been out of a prison. It'll be 11 years coming up this September. So just over a decade. Nice. And for about eight years of that time, I was broken, man. You know, mm-hmm. I'd worked with pretty expensive coaches, really expensive, in fact. And, and uh, something was just missing. Now, when I was in prison, I did realize that the mind is very powerful because, you know, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life and I've been able to control almost everything. Any situation that arises, I've got a solution or a contact or whatever. And I'm not talking legal or anything, but I'm finally dealt a hand that you can't fix no matter mm. what relationships, unless it's like with way up and those people don't want to get up on a tangent there, but there's too much evil up there that, right. it's, you know, it's so True. I just realized in there, while I was in there that it was just up to me, but I got a very powerful letter from a friend of my mom's who I'd never met. In fact, I only met her about five years ago and she sent me in a letter my second month because it was about two and a half months. It was about on, the, on my third month. Cause I was really depressed and just down. And, and the letter basically said, you know, she introduced herself and she just felt prompted to write me a letter and said, I don't have any idea what it's like. And I'm not going to try to under, you know, act like I do. But she says, I can promise you, if every day you, if every night when you lay down to go to sleep, if you can just ask yourself and find three things that day that you're grateful for. And wow. I'm telling you, dude, that shifted everything. And right. once I accepted that I'm there, I can't control the outside, I can't save my family. They're, going to have to go through their struggles. You know, I'd made a hell of a lot of money, but I'd lost it all through my real estate development and then, you know, getting indicted. And so they had to move after I left a month later. And and so it was brutal on them. But as soon as I accepted that and just, once again, there was a lot of prayer there too, and just knew that they'd be taken care of. I mean, granted, we have very good families, both of us, they're both parents are, you know, close and, um, but then as I got out of prison, I realized, I didn't realize what was the situation really, but it was, my dad was a dentist and and I remember him telling me after he retired that he's like, I feel like I lost my identity, you know, because he was always Dr. Cloward, you know, and I totally understood that when I came out of a prison because I did a lot of stuff in the community and and, uh, you know, had a successful business. Now I don't even know what the hell I'm going to do, you know? And, right. you know, so I was just broken. I And basically, because I had no confidence and I didn't know who I was or what I was going to do. And I don't care who you are. I think especially m- the male species, we allow what we do and not necessarily the success, whether it's, you know, good or bad or average, whatever. That's, I don't think that's the issue. It's, I didn't even know to tell people I did like, you know, so right. what is, who is Steve? What does Steve do? You know, um, and sold insurance for a buddy. And that was just him doing me a favor. And a couple, three months into that, I just told him, I can't do this. 
just not right. I just, you know, I didn't love that anyway when I was healthy. <laughs> and right. so ended up getting into a business selling satellite TV and, you know, started to pay the bills, but definitely didn't like that. Um, but really until I just realized that it was the self-talk, what was going on in my head was the problem to everything. Mm. I don't think most people understand that we have like over 70 to 80,000 thoughts going through our head every single day. And most of them are very much the same. So I really right. started reprogramming my thinking, you know, and that is one thing I did get out of a coaching situation that was way too expensive for what I thought, but I created a conscious self-creation statement, you know, and it's basically telling myself every morning, I am this, I am that, you know, and as if it's already taken place. Right. And the craziest part about that, I got to the point where I memorized it and I don't know how this happens, how it started, but I would automatically, the trigger for some reason, might be weird to some people, but there's nothing to it other than just the trigger. As soon as I stepped in the shower, I just started repeating it, you know, and it just started to take over, you know, and it's been three and a half years since I started that. Wow. And most of what I go through in that has taken place other than a couple of things. And some of them are, you know, quote, materialistic or business success related. Um, but that's what drives me because it's not that money drives me, but that's the vehicle that gives me the ability to do the things that I want to do. Correct. And that is to have free time to help people that need help. Uh, if somebody calls or is in trouble or needs some, you know, or if I want to help and work with a charity, I don't want a job or lack of finances to make my decision for me, you right. know? And so it's right. all about that time freedom for me because, you know, to me, money only magnifies the person. You know, if you're an asshole without money, you're going to be a big asshole with money. You know, if you're a good person without it, you're going to be hopefully a great person with it, you know? So yeah. just the, you don't want that to be, you know, the love of money is obviously the issue. Right. Um, but man, once I, you know, kind of got that mind shift and started really just focusing there and on me and quit trying to think, you know, it's real easy these days with social media to compare yourself and think you should do things a certain way, you know, whether it's a morning routine or whatever else. And the biggest thing as I started to work on my mind is I accepted and realized that what we're, we think is the right way and the, maybe the masses are doing, um, that doesn't mean dick. What's best for me that works for me, what's best for you, whoever is what's best. And comparing us and thinking something has to be a certain way is only going to hold us back. And so as soon as I just owned my life and stopped looking at others, you know, and started to build that confidence, that's when things just started to finally move for me in relationships and everything, you know? Right. You know, that, 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 that all goes back to affirmations. Um, Amen. I mean, we have what, what we call I am statements, which is, yep. you know, uh, the word of God and, and we speak it over our lives. So anyone out there that want a, a free download of that, you go to my website or you can just go to bit.ly forward slash I am free download. Um, but you are saying a mouthful. Number one, I love what you said, because I learned this years ago, money magnifies who you are. Amen. So if you're a jerk and you have a lot of money, then you're just going to be a rich jerk. If you're yep. A giver before that. That's why God blesses people, certain people with financial uh, freedom, 
because I love what you're saying. I'm able to help somebody to do this. I've been given the gift of time this year. So my time is giving back to people, giving back my efforts, giving back to myself and, and, and understanding how to receive for myself. That was a tough lesson for me. And so, um, and then to add to your point about, about the the monies and the corporations and all of that stuff. This is something that I learned years ago before I even even thought I would ever be a coach was this. I learned this statement and I stand on it every day is this. If you are what you have and you lose it, then who are you? And such a good statement, man. When I lost my ministry, when I lost my business, when I was stripped of all of those things, you know, so many people, will blame the devil for stripping. <laughs> I'm sorry, but God will strip Amen. and God will bring you down to a place of humility between you and him so that you understand, listen, this is not the plan that I have for you, but I need you to change your mind. I need you to change your mindset. I need you to look past your past and I want you to use the purpose that I've given you for the greater good to help those that are out there. And what you were saying earlier about speaking those things that aren't there yet, it's it's scripture. Speaking yeah. those things that aren't that that aren't as if though they are. Period. Yep. And so we have to speak that like I speak that house. I claim that. I claim that financial blessing. I claim that podcast. I claim that this person is healed versus a bunch of negativity saying this person's never going to make it. They're never going to amount to anything. And this is where it's imperative that people hear this type of message that's raw, that's real, that's authentic, because these are conversations that people cannot have in a church <laughs> building. Right. Amen. So with that being said, man, I just want to thank you so much, bro, for coming on to Coach's Corner podcast. Like I told you um, before we even recorded was I, I just I've never felt any awkward with you. And this is our second time meeting on. A, yeah, on, I feel on like a you're my brother. Camera. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let us know where you where we can find you and let's let's i mean this is this has just been good and just let everybody go home and and do their thing man you bet yeah just find me on facebook you know steve cloward uh, facebook.com forward slash steve cloward number one um right now my podcast is you know you can just go to life after addiction indictment podcast that'll take you to the podcast um i'm just revamping a website right now um, or you can find me on instagram at sw cloward um but the last thing I want to say, and then let's let's rock and roll and let people have their nights, is what you just said there at the end is so powerful because until we understand that God's given us everything and anything we could ever dream of, but we have to choose to create the life that we desire. Too often, we just go about and are winging it and let life happen for us. Mm. And so until I really own that, you know, and those affirmations. I remember when the secret came out, I jumped on all that stuff to the point where I was kind of a jerk. I remember being uh, my brother-in-law, my dad, one time a family get together, we're in a room and talking and they were just talking about something that was kind of negative. And I literally told them I got to leave because of that, because I, you know, so into the, you know, the energy and just being positive and that stuff. Right. But what happened then versus what I've learned and to move forward is even with the positive affirmations and things, 
saying it's one thing, but you have to get in a place where you allow yourself to feel what you'll feel like with those things or that, you know, life or when you're helping the people or whatever it is. So anyway, just my last little rant. And, uh, dude, I appreciate you being here. And just like you, I feel like your brother from another mother and, Amen. and I look forward to the future and, and how we uh, continue to get to know each other and build a real friendship. Absolutely, man. Well, I'm going to close this out in prayer. Um, so everyone, thank you everyone for joining in. And so I'm going to say a quick prayer to pray us out. I, I I hope and pray that everyone is having an awesome night. So Father, we just thank you this this awesome evening. Father, I thank you for Steve and his his life. Father, we lift up his family, his home. I pray, Father, that you would bless him um, exponentially, God, that you would continue to heal his marriage, heal his mind, heal his soul, and heal everything that is about him, Father. Let him be an impact to the world, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right, brother. I love you, man. And uh, everyone on Facebook, we will see you tomorrow morning, 6.30 a.m. Central Standard Time with Wake Up in the Word. And we'll catch you then. Peace. See you later.